probably not until I was a full 22, 23 that I actually decided, you know what? I think I'm a creative. Um, I think I'm wow. a creative person who probably should not. I thought I was going to go to Wall Street. I, you know, I was, the show Family Ties had a huge impact on me. I, I was that kid. <laughs> Alex P. Keaton. I was Alex P. Keaton. I wore a tie. Just wow. every day. I told my parents I didn't want a backpack. I wanted a briefcase. So she took me to Kmart. You could see Kmart was the river that ran through my childhood. Uh, I was there too, score. dude. When they had the uh, Little Caesars in there, that was like heaven. When you got the, crazy oh, see, I don't think we, we had. See, I'm from the south. We had oh. someplace. I think it was called the Kmart Cafe, and oh. it, it, <laughs> I never get this big thing. Was they sold a uh, country fried steak, which oh, I didn't okay. like as a kid. I was just like, I don't yeah, know why no. we, we fry everything else. We got to fry this too. Tokyo tonight. Tonight. Hey, what's up, fellas? Hey, what's going on, hey, man? How are you, sir? Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Got to say again, I love that sweatshirt, man. That is like just oh, this. Yes. Thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's what you know. By the way, I used to watch this with my family uh, growing up: Whoopi mm -hmm. and Billy and, and Robin. And uh, yeah, and this was my dad's sweatshirt, which used to seem gigantic and now it fits. And he's not here anymore, so you know, I don't let the kids, you know, spill stuff on it. Yeah, it looks brand new, man. It's I mean, crazy. Look, I, I, I feel like it might have had some stains back when I found it in their closet when I was moving the stuff out of there. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's like my holy grail. It's like oh man, that is so proud. awesome, dude! And yeah. congrats Thanks. on the uh, second season of Southside, man. That's awesome. man. I'm so excited. I mean, people are like, oh, finally, what took you so long? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, wasn't you wasn't like we were just sitting around at home, like you know, for no reason. Um, I know. But, yeah, we actually wrote this season in uh, January and February, 2020. And then, you know, the world. Right. Uh, and then we tried to like, we had scenes that took place at parades and all kinds of like, you know, 80, 100 extras. But unfortunately, uh, you know, that, that, that stuff had to change. But I think we ended up making a really good season where you, hopefully you won't notice, you know, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but there's some tricks of the trade. You can make it look more packed than it actually was. Right. The time we were shooting and, and definitely by the time we were done shooting, people started to getting uh, the vaccines. So we were we were able to put more people into the room. Uh, it was it was complicated. But, you know, thankfully, yeah. after a two year hiatus, uh, we are back. We are That's back. awesome, man. When yeah. you had you had all that stuff done uh, pre pandemic while you were sitting around in the pandemic, did you have to fight the urge to go back and start? Recritiquing what you were doing and maybe rewriting it a little bit, or no, you know, listen, we like I said, the stuff at the parade, there was stuff that took place at like this big concert hall, like uh, right. you know, that stuff. We were immediately like, look, we don't know how we're going to change it, but let's 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 use some of our other ideas. And also, we knew that you know, I mean, it's comedy, like you could turn to comedy for comedy relief, right? So yeah. we didn't want to do something where every every shot had like you know people in the background wearing masks. So we. Right. Like a lot of people decided we're going to shoot this and pretend like the pandemic isn't happening. I mean, I imagine if this mass thing goes on for five more years or something, I can't imagine that'd be the case. But let's say it did. Then you would start to see stuff like that pop up in TV shows. Sure. But I think for now, most 
most of us creators are just like, you know what? Yeah. That just bums me out. And, you know, let's, let's do something that doesn't have that in it. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't have to be the norm on every single platform. What's weird is how quickly the commercials adapted it. They were like, yep, this is it now. <laughs> I was like the cell phone. Even before we knew we had to wear masks all the time, like Verizon had cell phone commercials and masks. Oh, and I was like, this is not a good sign. Probably just happy that we don't have any of those, you know, like at, in these unprecedented times commercials. That was so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, those always bum me out way more than the actual unprecedented yeah. times. I'm like, oh, way more, way more more than the death that was that was the uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you uh are, were you super careful during the pandemic and stuff or you know like yeah you know our family was careful we also have a, a not not somebody lived in the house but a very close loved one who was immunocompromised so yeah we played it very safe so that we can continue to you know hang out face to face but uh you know yeah i mean i, I think we continue to what does it even mean to play it safe nowadays? Like there are definitely times when, you know, I'm in the grocery store and I'm like, Oh snap, I forgot, you know, my mask. And oh stuff. yeah. You know, but I also think that like, look, I'm ready to get the booster shot, you know, if I'm being Me honest. Too. So like, let's, let's yeah. do this. Yep. You know, yeah. um, oh, you know, my, our kids are, I guess now, you know, one of them was already almost 12. So we went ahead and got him the shot. And, nice. You know, we'll probably get the one for the, for the, you know, the other two now that they said it's okay for five to, I mean, that, that was the nerve wracking thing. That's the thing I definitely don't miss was trying to be a teacher while trying to write, uh, you know, as <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, like this is not, my kids' grades were suffering because, you know, they're just, he's, he's, he, you can't look at a computer screen all day. So that, oh, that's yeah. what was going on in our household back then. Did you have the urge to be like, you know what? We're going to skip school. I'm just going to teach you how to write comedy. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I was like, son, I used to read Encyclopedia Britannica. So you've got Wikipedia. I'm sure there's a thing. <laughs> you know, there's a lot more nudity on Wikipedia than there ever was in uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. There was always like that one section that was like, you know, the anatomy and it had like the pages you could turn over. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember those on the genitals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the school library, like, no, I'm just studying. Yeah, um, those pages always torn out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trying to photocopy. How hard up were we? That, that was. <laughs> I mean, it's me to think what kids have access to now, but like that, yeah. that back in the day, that was special. I would, you know, you would think that they'd be bored by it at, some, at a certain point, right? Like just immune to it. But I don't think that's ever going to happen because it keeps oh, getting whatever the whatever the fetish is or whatever the thing is keeps getting worse somehow. Yeah, I know. I, I just feel bad for this whole generation. They've, yeah. they've had way too much access way too early. And, uh, you know, so and by the way, the things that I used to retreat into because I was a nerd and just I don't know, I was mm -hmm. a late boomer when it came to that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, even that stuff I have to watch with them. Like, you know, nowadays I feel like the kids are really into Japanimation. It's all over Netflix. Right. And everything. Yeah. And so I watch some of these things and the themes that they deal with are so dark, like the the suicide and the and the self-hurt <laughs> and like yeah. all this. Stuff. And you're just like, man, can we just get back to you know Star Blazers, maybe? But no, now we have to watch Attack on Titans and Naruto. So yeah, there. one of my uh one of my little cousins went up to my uncle and out of the blue just asked him, she's uh six. Said, do you have issues with your brothers and sisters? And he was like, Where the fuck did you like <laughs> like what? And it was like from she was just watching My Little Pony, but apparently there was like a discussion. <laughs> and he was just like, 
what do you mean? Like, it would never add. And he was like, no, everything's fine. She's like, oh, no, my, my kid the other day comes up and asks, what's so funny about the number 69? Why is everybody <laughs> doing these 69 memes? What's so funny about that number? And I was like, well, the CCC sign, people love the number 70. And it's just 69 is ridiculous. It's just one shirt. <laughs> you just make a fly. You just, you know, I'm not oh going down that God. road with you. <laughs> what a, what a great excuse. My lies later. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember a lie when you were a kid that somebody told you that it took you a while to figure out when you were older? Gosh. <laughs> yeah, some really dark stuff that's not going to be funny to anybody outside. Of <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I ready. It, I wish it was funny. But, you know, you'd always hear stories about, like, how somebody in our family, oh, she... She took too many pills. That was what they would say about her. Uh, uh, and then later on figured out, oh, that was an abusive relationship. And she might have accidentally taken 30 Tylenols. Like, you know, like, <laughs> right. like yeah. really dark stuff. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's not funny. But, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but it is funny the things you'll say to a kid when they ask, uh, you know, where so-and-so is. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I... I I totally understand it. I mean, my, my I'm head. sure that there's actually, I'm going to keep thinking about this because I think that's sure. a great question. I think that there's definitely some stuff that I, that I, I don't think I've suppressed it. I think that, it, you know, come back to me later in the episode and I, I, maybe I will have thought of something that was so egregiously alive, but they were just trying yeah. to protect the kid. Yeah. But it's funny. It's interesting they do that too, because there are those family lies that they tell you that you don't realize until later that you really shouldn't say in front of people. And then there's the ones that public school tells you or like a friend tells you that you don't really catch on. And you're like, I was fucking idiot. I can't believe I believe that. I remember and then you'll be mind blown. You're yeah. mind blown when you when you come to the realization you're 40 years old and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I never know. I mean, the, 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 the classic one, obviously, is Santa Claus. And I'll never forget the time uh, that I, I thought I heard Santa Claus in the hallway until Santa apparently started cursing like my father because he dropped something on his foot. <laughs> like, wow, Santa curses. They got those dad's curse words at the North Pole. Like, it was, it was weird. <laughs> and then I figured out there was no Santa. So, you know, yeah. sometimes obscenity. I found out all that shit wasn't real by asking too many questions at the wrong time. And I was like, if, I think it started with a tooth fairy. And I was like, because I think they forgot to give me like five bucks. And I think I was running like a racket at the time. So I think they knew that I knew that, they, you know. And then I was like, well, but it's like, not even real. Like, just because I think I was like, just give me the $5 now. I already know, like, whatever. And they were like, oh, oh, do you know? Do you want to know something else, too? And I was like, what? So, I mean, let's be honest. Like, as a kid, I used to be like, well, how does Santa get in here? We don't have a chimney. You yeah. know, like we give him a, a key. To, and then also like logistically, like as a kid, I was even like, how does he get to every house on yeah. one night? This doesn't work. This Right. This is this is some, you know, my nephew so, was freaked out by it. So he was like, <laughs> he's like, I don't want some strange man coming in our house. So there Santa had to leave the presents at the door. <laughs> he's like, I don't want some weirdo wow. walking around my house. He couldn't sleep. <laughs> and then when my niece yeah, found it out, white dude with a beard is going to show up with a bunch of reindeer. Like, <laughs> I've, never I've never seen this in any other context. <laughs> right? Like, why do we spend money on a ring doorbell if we're just going to let this idiot in once a year? 
Oh, that's too. Yeah. That's too fucking fun. I would just normally be like, I think I caught on because I'd be like, my parents argue about money after December every year, so like so, something's costing money, and I don't think these gifts are coming for whether they're paying this old man or not. I don't know. Yeah, my toys were never wooden. They were the same toys I saw in Kmart. I was like, this thing falls apart really quick. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's never what they're making in the movies. It's like, oh, I don't. I don't know. These don't look handcrafted to me. This Nintendo was not made by elves. <laughs> Children, maybe, but definitely not. not elves. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like, first of all, this says McDonald's on it. So I know one of you went and got this as a happy meal. Just copyright the McDonald's Corporation. <laughs> oh, God. That's great. I um I when you were younger, what was your like? What was your thing? What were you into? Because you've done so much. You you obviously you've acted. Uh, you've been a writer for a long period of time, and you also yeah. DJ. So what was like the thing that got you into show business? Gosh, uh, indecision. indecision. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also being like, a nerd, you said right. I was a serious nerd. I, I actually told my kids this just earlier this week. I because you know one of them is kind of like I was there. Like every year he's into something new. So one year he's going to be American Ninja Warrior. The next year he's going to be the shortest NBA player since Muggsy Bogues. Like you know, like this is this is how he you know he lives. His life. And I and I told him I was like, look, I think it's fine that you don't know what you want to do yet because I'll tell you the truth. I didn't know what I wanted to do even when I graduated from college. I was I told him I was always just smart enough in my studies mm. to be good at stuff and to receive encouragement to pursue what I was into. Nice. But it was probably not until I was a full 22, 23 that I actually decided, you know what? I think I'm a creative. Um, I think I'm wow. a creative person who probably should not. I thought I was going to go to Wall Street. I, you know, I was the show Family Ties had a huge impact on me. I, I was that kid. <laughs> Alex P. Keaton. I was Alex P. Keaton. I wore a tie. Wow. To school every day. I told my parents I didn't want a backpack. I wanted a briefcase. So she took me to Kmart. You could see Kmart was the river that ran through my childhood. I was uh, there too. Sport. Dude, when they had the uh, Little Caesars in there, that was like heaven. When you got the crazy oh, see, I don't think we, we had. See, I'm from the South. We had <sighs> something. I think it was called the Kmart Cafe. And oh. it, it, I never forget this big thing was they sold a country fried steak, which oh, I didn't okay. like as a kid. I was just like, I don't yeah, know no. why we, we fry everything else. We got to fry this too. Um, <laughs> I remember I, you know, I went from the GI Joe section to the Nintendo section. That was my big leap. Yeah. But uh, I made her buy me a briefcase of that Kmart um, over nice. there near Greenbrier Mall. And, uh, <laughs> and so I thought I was going to be a stockbroker. And I, I probably read Art of the Deal by Trump because that's what you did when you were in the 80s. And you, it was that and Sun Tzu. And I read Sun Tzu and I was like, mm, I, don't, I don't see the plot. So I <laughs> get that deep into Sun Tzu. Um, I thought I wanted to be Gordon Gecko and all those guys. Oh, and then yeah, I got yeah. to college. I mean, this went on for a long time. And then I got mm -hmm. to college. And I was like, well, I think, I, you know, I've always liked history. So I was a history major. And I thought wow. briefly I'd go into archaeology because I really liked Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, but I figured out that anthropologists don't ever really get to live in mansions. And I was a working class kid. I wanted a mansion. Yep. Um, and then I did everything. At, I, I went to Harvard. I did everything that I needed to do to go to Wall Street after school. And then I surprised everybody uh, by saying I didn't want to go to Wall Street anymore. I wanted to figure out what I was going to do. So I moved to Los Angeles when my sister was doing some assistant casting directing and uh, and then that's where I sort of ended up. I sort of fell into Hollywood when nothing else was really wowing me anymore. Um, I had that quarter life crisis, thankfully, around 22, yeah. 23. And uh, that's how I ended up in this business. 
That's awesome. What was it in, when you were in Harvard? Was there something that what, what clicked that made you go, I'm not, this isn't for me? You know, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been asked that before, but if I had to, there were many instances where I was like, am I made for this? Like I would, I would meet the other guys who wanted to do, you know, the Wall Street programs and, you know, go to consulting firms and iBanking firms. And, you know, I always thought that, well, you know, I'll just be the funniest guy at the, at, at the firm. You know, I'll be yeah. the funniest guy who does hedge funds because, you know, there's all, every company's got a funny guy. I yes, just got to yeah. be a funny guy. That's going to be my brand. Yeah. And, um, I remember the summer where you're supposed to apply for your internships or whatever they, they were called. Um, I forget the name of the program was, but it was basically like a straight line from Harvard to Wall Street. And uh, and I remember I was filling out the application. I was like, God, this seems like a nightmare. And I think I saved myself two years because I know a lot of guys who ended up doing that for the two years you're supposed to do it. And they, you know, some went to law school, some of them became poets, you know, like everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad that I saved myself that bit of time. I mean, like, yeah. I, I do kind of wish that I figured out earlier on that I, wanted to write these stories. Cause I guess the one thing I've left out of my bio is that, you know, as early as kindergarten, I did a book about dinosaurs. It was eight pages long, but mm -hmm. I put a nice binder on it and the teachers actually put it in the library. And then I did my first novel when I was in the third grade. It was about a world war II spy. Um, nice. About 50 pages, but they put that in the school library. So as far as I was concerned, I was published and I didn't know it. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time, but like that was that was the beginning of a writing career. I mean, yeah. like, funny is nobody really pushed me to be a writer. They they were like, oh, you're going to be the next mayor of Atlanta. You know, like they had all these other designs for me. But looking back, I mean, like I've been telling stories, you know, since I started playing with toys. Since yeah, I man. Watch old World War Two documentaries with my pop. So, you know, like it's 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 been there from the beginning. That's awesome. Because it's funny that you said the thing about starting younger. We were just talking to Jonathan Stark last night and he said the same thing. And I feel like every guest we've had on, I mean, I started doing stand up when I was 20. I still wish I started when I was 17. I don't know what it is about. <laughs> you know, isn't that weird? Like, I don't know yeah. why I think that would have made more, but I'm, I'm just like, man, if I had started when I was five, you know, I don't know what difference <laughs> it would have made, but it is, it is that weird feeling that we all have. No, listen, my, I, I can't agree more. I mean, like I know, for example, my nephew, um, he's a, he wants to be a hip hop producer. He is 21 and he says he's washed up because oh. he didn't make it by, because apparently there's like a hip hop producer who's like 17, who's like blown yeah. up. That, that four years makes a huge difference. At that time. <laughs> so, you know, because you've only been alive for five, four year periods. So you're yeah. just like, oh, a fifth of my life is gone. This guy's already got songs on the radio. So, you right. know, I think we all sort of feel that. I mean, like, you know, I, literally i'm always thinking oh if i just had a time machine you know because yeah. i'm like i, I would have definitely invented youtube you know like i'm always driving around <laughs> down thinking, like, what can i do now that i wish i had started now five yeah. years from now you know like i think we all sort of feel that and, and by the way i give you so many props as a stand-up i came up in comedy doing sketch comedy which i feel like is, nice. is in many ways great and encouraging mm. but it's also easier because you got other people up there you can you know if you're in a herald uh, if you're doing a Herald with your improv group, like yeah, that, you got other people up there. I don't, I, to this day, there's a part of me that really wants to do stand up, mm -hmm. but I just don't know how to start that oh. path. And I don't know if I have it in me to do like, you know, okay, so I'm in a, uh, I'm in Tacoima uh, this Saturday and then I'll be down in Tupelo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, don't, I don't think I have that. That phase in life is over. I already got kids. I already yeah. got, you know, I don't think I could ever do that. I think I could be maybe that guy who goes up at the Laugh Factory or the comedy store here in L.A., you know, once a month 
because you could absolutely do that. one of the shows I'm on. And, you know, I, I think I could do that, but I don't think I could do the tour. I'm going to be uh, out, the tour thing. I mean, yeah, it, it's, well, I'm going to be out in LA at the end of January because I'm doing Vegas on the 29th and I'm going to go do a stint out West, but you should, I, I would love it if you came and like did like well, five I'll minutes. I'll definitely come and watch you do it. And come, well, no, I mean, well, like not I, just for me, but I mean like come to, you know, come to one of the clubs and, and fucking get up. That'd be great. I, I would love that. And by the way, you said two of my favorite things, which are LA and Vegas. Like <laughs> I live in one place and I'm always down to go to the other. One. Yeah. I literally exactly. had my wife today. Like what if we got like those stupid you know, tickets on Jet Suite that cost like six hundred dollars, but like we'll be from Burbank to Vegas in an hour. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy on Saturday. We'll be yeah, back man. to leave the nanny at noon. You know, like I'm so. telling you, I think you should you should definitely do it because I think Tom's coming out around that time too, right? Are you supposed to be yeah. out there? Yeah, yeah I'm so trying to get down. December 29th? De- January 29th. Oh, January 29th. Yeah, I'll man. Oh, December. I'll be around. Please let me know. Absolutely. Well, man. you know what? I'll, I'll I'll try and track it. Um, yeah, okay, where cool. are you going up at? Do you know already? I do. I do this every time. I don't have it in front of me, and I don't remember. Okay. But it's good. It's a good place. <laughs> when you post it, when you when you post this, just flash this on the screen right now. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's exactly what I'll do. Live, it's, be. Know, it's, um, it's, okay. it's funny you say about the stand up thing too, because I've had we've been talking about the mix between improv and stuff. Because I think stand ups. I mean, for me anyway. Like I used to when I do Boston, I would do improv Boston when I was there, and it's primarily like an improv club. But they love stand up, so it always felt really yeah. welcoming. And every I like to I do like to it was it was weird because most no, of the time you know why all, that's funny because the opposite is never true. One time when Sharon, my writing partner and I we we had an improv group and we got the chance to play the comedy store, which is a stand-up venue. Oh so yeah. So we're backstage in the green room putting on wigs and costumes and like the the we're getting roasted <laughs> by everybody who's going up that night. And mm-hmm. then by the way, people who go to see stand-up do not want to see improv or that's sketch true. comedy. So we get up there in our wigs and we're like, hey, you know, we're Cleo's apartment. That was the name of our group. And oh, we'd like to great. get a suggestion for the audience. And the suggestions were like, all mean, like, you know, give up, get off stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were yeah like, it's, oh, a, it's a brutal environment. And that <laughs> is brutal. funny, too. And that comes back to they're, everybody's so nice. Like, even the audiences going to that club loved, like, they just loved comedy. So it was great. And they would yeah. invite me on stage with them. Um, cause I like to improvise in my set, but I think it's like, there's two different worlds and I envy the community. Like I could just tell, like you guys kind of exude that we're in this together vibe. And I'm like, I've never felt more alone <laughs> <laughs> while I'm with people on stage, but they were great. They were so nice, but it was just like, um, I'll tell you, like, wow. like some of that, some of that positive support leads to terrible enabling. Like there's like really unfunny <laughs> stuff happening on stage, but there's a lot of le- nervous laughter in the audience. But I will say, having done a lot of the improv stages here in LA, one of my favorite Robin Williams memories is uh, he was, uh, I feel like he was <laughs> maybe off the wagon uh, uh-huh. sometime in the, in the mid aughts. Cause uh, right. for a couple of weeks, you could go up at UCB here in LA. And every time they'd be like, we want somebody from the audience. I don't know where Robin Williams would hop on stage. Oh my They'd be God, like, wow, man. you want to do improv with us? And his improv was terrible, but he was Robin Williams. So people ate that shit up. Sure. Like, yeah. Like, yep. you know, he was, he wasn't yes. Anding like, it'd be like, no. Hey, uh, oh, let's have this coffee at the beach. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do his own thing. <laughs> Cowabunga, let's go surfing. And you're like, I okay, know. so here goes the coffee, uh, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, but it was it was great seeing Robin in rare form and with a bright red shiny face. It was, it was right. Great. Yeah, yeah. I must. I, I'm always jealous. I never got to meet the guy, and I'm he's like one of my all time heroes. Like just the just the best. 
Um, felt like he was like a gateway those, drug. Those great YouTube videos. I mean, there's so many great yeah. appearances he did on those late night shows. I sometimes I'll just go down a, a, a Robin hole and, you know, I, I, I'm messed up. I kind of like the messed up Robin of like the late 70s. That dude me too. Amazing. Yeah, me He's too. Amazing. It is kind of sad, man, because without like once I obviously we all know the Louis body stuff later in life. But it's it's kind of a bummer when you watch him when he's older. You're not real like you're just like, oh, man, this is so sad. I think he might have lost, you know, some of that edge. And then you realize, oh, no, this is a guy who is brain is breaking down in real time. <laughs> and you're like, that's <laughs> fucking horrible. <laughs> but, you know, like here's one. If you haven't seen it, I, I would recommend it. if you go back and find like the opening credits of Battle of the Network Stars, which was an old oh. show. I can't believe nobody. I I. I Gotta believe somebody's gonna try and reboot that. They could call it like Battle of the Streaming Streaming Stars. And yeah, the cast yeah. of you know, <laughs> Lucifer versus the cast of Mrs. Maisel or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they did one, and I remember like they were like, you know, Farrah Fawcett plays golf, and like you know they got all these old celebrities like doing stuff, and you're like, I didn't know that you know that guy could swim that fast, you know. But then yeah. they, they're like, like with color commentary, Robin Williams. He's the only person not wearing like the uniform that they give you. <laughs> it just looks like he stepped out of a limousine on fire and like was just running his mouth. It's insane. It's kind of hilarious. I've it's never kind of- seen that. And I've seen a lot of Robin stuff, but I've never seen that. I'll have to look it you up. You gotta find the one where he's in the uh where he's in Battle of the Network Stars. It's pretty classic. Some of my favorite stuff to find is uh, if he's uh, if you ever see him at the Oscars when he's like just breaking into movies and he's bored to fucking tears because it's like him and Alan Alda and Jane Fonda and he's just like fuck <laughs> like, <this is> terrible. <laughs> like you could tell he wants to like he's probably is he presenting kind of a- or is he just in the audience he co-hosted with the two of them there was a three it was one of the rare that. times in in the. I think it was 77. You mean before it was Anne Hathaway and James Franco. They, they actually tried <laughs> Yeah, <it>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And oh, then I he was like, yeah, they didn't have a single host, so they had the three of them host. And so you just tell Robin's like. Alda and Williams. That is a weird combination, man. Oh, totally. Okay. And they don't even know what to do with them at the time. I mean, Alan Alda's a sweet guy, but it's kind of funny because Robin would say like a couple weird fucking things. And Alan Alda would just be like, isn't that a thing? And then like, <laughs> and then try to like segue into something normal or read what was on prompter. No, the retrospective on Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rudolph Nureyev. Oh like, god, I, yeah. You know, I, I feel like I know most of my '70s celebrities from the Muppets because they, they, oh, dude, it was just like. Yeah, Truman Capote, yeah. <laughs> I don't like, know. I, I, I cannot... don't know why they're repeating that to us as kids. I, Me neither. Okay, I have a theory about that, and I've not found anybody. I have to. I have to get somebody like super old in show business to verify this. Maybe in behind the scenes, I, I might be able to verify it. Oh, but you say great. it, and okay. then I'll tell you who my source is. Go ahead. Oh, great. Okay, good. So here's my thing. I think that they used it because you, what you just said about the Muppets, why they would show those people. The same thing with like actors in an, like voicing animated shit. We didn't know who they were as kids, but there's a reason Ed Asner voiced like what half of the you know, cartoon landscape back then. Yeah. I think it's because when you got older, you would hear and recognize those voices and you'd be like, of course I'm going to watch Mary Tyler Moore reruns or whatever. And you'd be like, I like <laughs> this guy. I don't know why. Um, know but you would that. recognize the voice. Uh, you know, I think that to a certain extent, the, the guests on The Muppet Show were the people who Jim Henson both admired and yeah. hung out with. My right. very first... Yeah. Uh, manager in this business was uh, Bernie Burlstein, who's like a legend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he repped 
uh, Jim Henson. He told me many stories that I'll never share. Um, but, but, but Jim was wild. Jim, Jim, was out, Jim was out in the streets, and you know, yeah. There's there aren't pictures of him like at Studio Fifty Four, but that's his click. That's his yes, that's his baby boomer time in the light. And you know, he would definitely roll down, you know, Rodeo drone with a Missoni scarf flying in the wind of his uh, convertible, and he was up those times. And and those were yeah. Liza Minnelli and all those people. Those are his. Those were his friends. Yeah, man, oh, wow. I, you can kind of get that vibe just from like you know seeing him, listening him, do him talk and stuff. And plus, like Alice Cooper loved it. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the list of guests that he had on the show were comfortable there. Like I can't imagine what it was like. I, you know, I think Yo Gabba Gabba is probably the closest thing to yeah. Muppets in the sense that like that was a kids show that would bring on everybody from like most deaf to the killers. Yeah, you know? like it was, you got the sense yeah. that the uh, the guy who I forget his name, the guy who does the Aquabats, was uh, really tapped in just to, to, to certain yeah. Fans. I got a good question for you. One of the rumors was that when you got to star in the Muppet Show back in the day, you got to choose which Muppet you got more screen time with. Who would pick? Is that true? I didn't know that. That's yeah, really cool. that's what they said. That's the rumor. That's uh, what I've heard. I'm going. You know, see, my answer as a kid would have e easily been Gonzo. He was my favorite Muppet growing up. I like mm -hmm. his suit. I like the fact that he seemed weird, <laughs> like a jazz musician. You know? Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> like, trumpet he would just whip out every now and again. He was, yeah, no, he was great. I, I, to me, he was he was in some ways more of a showman than uh, than vaudeville Fozzie. But yeah, um, nowadays, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if this guy, but uh, the guy who threw the fish, I think that was a brilliant <laughs> character. I think that's just a brilliant character. Um, who? What is that character's name? It's um, oh god, it's not. It's um. Oh my God, I know his just name. Just flash that on the screen. Update. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, just the idea that you have a character who shows up and he always says, I threw the fishes and the fishes yeah. go back to me. <laughs> and they come like, back to me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't um, know his name is Lou. Lou, L E W. Great stuff. Lou, his it? name is Lou Zealand. Lou Zealand. I knew it was like, he's from Calendar, right? <laughs> I can't believe I forgot that name. That's a bummer. But yeah. Insane. That's a great yeah. one. That I is a great choice. I can't believe that you that you thought of that. Yeah. That blows my mind. I always say I have three favorite movies, my friends. My three favorite movies are Pee-wee's Big Adventure, mm -hmm. uh, The Muppets Take Manhattan, and yeah. Chinatown. And if nice. I can name a fourth, I'll say L.A. Confidential. But L.A. Confidential and Chinatown, one is sort of like inspired by the others. So yes. It's yeah. like a cheat. Yeah. That, no, that makes sense. They're different. <laughs> they're different enough. <laughs> I got to pay a compliment to nerds real quick because I feel like if you – it, we, you would never be able to tell right now that you and I probably had like a GI Joe or X Men lunchbox back in the day. Yeah, I right. Isn't that weird? Joe. I read X Men. I don't think I've had an X Men lunch, but I, definitely I had the lunchbox had for sure. Yeah, for sure. I had a lunchbox. There's like this weird place for in, it. in um, Burbank where you can go and you can find all this memorabilia. Mm. Uh, you know, they've just got insane stuff in there. I almost like when I was really feeling myself, I almost got like sort of like the holy one of the holy grail items. They have a couple. They have a couple of Holy Grail items in there. One of them is a authentic Darth Vader helmet, like the real live good thing signed by David wow. Cross. So that's pretty cool. Wow, Holy that's pretty shit. Cool. That's yeah. awesome. That's the stuff you wish you could but they, but they got. Day. They got like old lunchboxes. I'm pretty sure they got a G.I. Joe lunchbox. Yeah. I had See, I all those I had e man or Thundercats. I think oh, my two. Thundercats. Love those guys, but then what was the one that they all they were all sharks? <laughs> oh, it, uh, it, uh, yeah, it was. Um, they had the fruit snacks for them too. Yeah, gosh, oh. it was like after Thundercats, there was one where they were underwater. They oh just run out of ideas. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I always think about that. Like, 
some at some point somebody's like, guys, the Smurfs are really popular. I give you the Snorks. <laughs> like, <laughs> ridiculous. You know. Oh, uh, that's great. We've lost anybody under the age of thirty at this point, but I, yeah. This is my childhood, and I'm sticking with it. Yeah. I no, I hear you, man. I used to watch the Gummy Bears cartoon. I still can. I can do the fantastic theme. cartoon, right? <laughs> fantastic and well I, told. I think it's. I, I'm going to be controversial here. I think that there is a a. I don't know if it's a cartoon. I think it would be a live action phenomenon if you could somehow bring back Cubby and 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 all those guys, Grumpy. It's a phenomenal. I think it's just as well told as, as Game of Thrones. Oh. I, 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 wow. I completely it agree. It's, Knights and Magic, like, yeah, not the Gummy Bears. Who owns the rights to the Gummy Bears? Is it Disney? Oh, I, I think it's know. Disney. Yeah, it's Disney. It was always Disney's Gummy right Bears. Gummy Bears, man, they're all on Disney Plus. And I started watching them with my kids after we, I, I made them, I sat them down. I was like, you will watch DuckTales. Oh, and yeah. They enjoyed yes. the original, not the new one with, nope, uh, yeah, the original's the best. No offense, no offense to Bobby Moynihan and that crew, but right. the original <laughs> DuckTales. With the song that, quite frankly, I think, and I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates. Yep. How did you, you knew it, right? 100%. the same song. Absolutely. You make <laughs> yeah. my dreams come true, and the DuckTales theme, same thing. Yep. I mean, somebody was like, oh, shit, I was supposed to turn that song into Disney. <laughs> ah. Hey, get that record player over here. Get that record player. Um, just play something. What is this? You make my dreams come true? Okay. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> like, come on, guys. It's hollow That's so Nobody great. And you could do that back in the day because there was nobody to snitch. No Twitter, no nothing. Nobody, nobody was comparing anything. I, I am definitely the, the police snitch. I am definitely the music snitch now. Oh, I, yeah. Guys. I got one good for you. The, the end of Jaws, Michael Jackson ripped that off to sing the song from um, Free Willy. What's the end of Jaws? The end of... Oh, I wish we could pull that fucking thing. I, so, I, so you're saying when Jaws blows up? When Jaws blows up and and uh, and Roy Scheidner... And the shark are falling? Yeah, well, yeah, not that part. The part where they're paddling back to shore and the credits start to roll. That, that theme at the end, the John Williams theme, is the beginning of um, the fucking Michael Jackson, you know, the, something world song from Free Willy. That was really uh, popular. Uh, wait, so it's not, it's not a song because I was like, wait a second, I don't remember Michael Jackson's song where he sings "Free Willy." But you're no, he doesn't sing "Free Willy," but it's something like um, um, "Heal the World." Hail the world. That's it. Is that That's it? it. Yeah, and I will definitely out. check that out. Oh yeah, I'll you gotta check. It. It out. I love it's that little stuff. I love that. Yeah, stuff. it's great because uh, I'm always wondering, like, was there any conversation <laughs> behind that where they were like. You know, it, it blows my mind. There's a guy on Instagram right now, and I'll send you the link to this dude. He blows my fucking mind. Because, like, my wife I, loves I, that guy. I know exactly who you're about to talk yeah, about. Because it, it, he, he, he's, I don't know. He's like, a, I don't know if he does it on his own or what, but he'll go, This song is sampled from this song from okay, 73. So can I give you guys a full disclosure? Yeah. Yeah. That guy's a very good friend of mine. His no. name is uh, Luxury. Yes. His name is Luxury. Uh, I call him Blake. <laughs> but, uh, we've been we've been music and DJ buddies for a really long time, and we and we're actually uh, sort of taking around the idea of starting a podcast where me and him just talk about music because we're both like really big oh, music nerds. My fucking god, awesome. dude, yeah. that is incredible. I've been yeah. following this guy like because I'll, I I have like you know I'm one of those people who's got like eight thousand songs on his phone in his car that he's downloading. <laughs> but because of shuffle, 
like, and when stuff comes on, when I'm taking these long road trips, mm-hmm. my brain just goes like, holy shit, this song is exactly like that song and that song. And I'll just go, I wonder if, and then this guy comes along and it's literally like, they sampled this from this song, they sampled that from that one. And I'm just like, boom. You know, seriously, I, you know, we, we became closer friends during the pandemic because, you know, his, his thing was taken off. And I was like, dude, yeah, you know, like you're blowing up now. And then at some point, I don't even remember exactly how it came up, but I think is half the time we would talk about, hey, we're going to make some music together. But anytime yeah. we get together to make music, we would end up talking about, well, you know, the guy who played the drums on Thriller is actually the same guy who wrote half of, you know, Stevie Wonder's catalog. Like we would just go on these like wow. really deep music, Tangents. high fidelity deep dives. And uh, and yeah, like, you know, we were just like, why don't we uh, why don't we shop this as like sort of like a fun 45 minute uh, pot. I've never done the podcast thing it's it's just like stand up i think what you guys do is uh is amazing quite frankly oh thanks man because it, 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 it it's deceptive right it's it's not as easy as it looks to actually fill up you know the right interesting to say um yeah. but i think that uh i think you guys do it i think i think uh luxury do great at it so we'll see oh, yeah. how it goes I'm, I'm definitely so, tuning in. I love like I love yeah. that stuff. When I used to DJ, I was all about playing the retro version. So every time something came on, they thought it was the new song, but it wasn't. It was no. always where it came from. No, yeah. there's nothing. I actually just today found out that been around the world and I, 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 uh, <laughs> apparently that song was originally a duet with uh, I'm blanking on her name and Barry White. And it was crazy to hear Barry singing that song. Wow. Awesome. And so, yeah, there's always a there's always an older version. Yeah, it's always floating around out there. And then you hear it and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, Yeah, I was one of those people in high school who would be like, because my parents, my my mom mostly is like she got me into like, you know, uh, 60s, 70s, 80s music, all that stuff. She knew she had every 45, every record, you know, Uh, Oh yeah. Oh man. She just lost her 45s in, in a hurricane. It was, she's like devastated by it. But, um, and I just thought of it because you said 45s. So like, why did I mean, if you're going to lose your 45s, what more rock style, more rock star way <laughs> than in a freaking hurricane? That I will is, let her know you said that. that <laughs> is, look, if you're going to lose valuable 45s, mm-hmm. go out with a freaking hurricane. I yeah, see. man. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I was one of those kids in high school. I'd be like, you know, actually, this is a Gordon Lightfoot song um, from and I would like play it for my <laughs> friends and they'd be like, we fucking hate you. Uh, <laughs> and they'd be like, I, I, I can tell you it was 1998 when I, I called a friend who was also a music nerd. And I was like, you know what? I think my taste has just they've reached the point where I'm having a hard time finding people I can talk to them about. Yeah. Like it just yeah. at some point you can get so deep into music that you realize, oh, I'm that weirdo. Who can now only talk to other music people <laughs> otherwise i'm just explaining i'm not that guy who's gonna like just listen to the radio and be like this is cool like no yeah. i'm officially yeah. that dude oh yeah my and friends make records in the car. first opened in la i remember the first time i walked into amoeba records oh, uh it was it was it was uh it was i literally i i, I broke into tears because i was overwhelmed i was wow like, wow this is the holy grail this is what we've been waiting on and uh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I feel like Fat Beats was my like that was the the record store that I truly on Melrose when it was on Melrose. No, uh, no, I was Fat Beats over in the Village in Manhattan. Oh gosh, the the New York Fat Beats. Okay, got it. Yeah, which was so like it was such a different realm because and forty fives remind me of I used to be like when we started out we were all hip hop and reggae so forty fives would come out every week in this little reggae spot. 
that it was just a million different artists over the yeah. same track. So you'd buy them for like $2 oh, yeah. each. So be good. Green Sleeves Rhythm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> Man, I'm so trying to think. Fun. We didn't have – I didn't have anything that like – we had like a, a, a weird music store called Coconuts. Um, oh, wait. What city? The, uh, in, in New Jersey, in uh, Tom's River. Well, we had coconuts in, in Atlanta. I told you. Oh, you did? So oh, totally. Okay. I didn't I, know I mean, it was I a gotta chain. Be, I, I'm pretty sure it was a chain, so I'm sure they were related. Yeah. We used to it go there. Blue all with the, the yellow, yellow sign? Pot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Coconuts. Yeah. I didn't know there was anything anywhere else, but yeah, we used to go into there. And then I worked at a Suncoast video, and I felt like I was in, I blew that fucking paycheck <laughs> every week. I, I was basically like, right I wasn't. Oh, God, yeah, it was beautiful. And all the shit you would see in the back room, oh, my God, that was great. I mean, here's something fun to do. Uh, look up commercials on uh, YouTube. Like, what I used to do, I used to say, like, uh, commercials 1977. Mm -hmm. And then you go on YouTube, and, like, there would be all these things for, like, now with, you know, Sam Goodies or, like, you know, Record Land. Yeah. And then it would always be, like, you know, it was, inevitably it would always come back to uh, Baker Street by Drew, Jerry Rafferty. But, you know, like, <laughs> really, he had a lot of money for commercials. But uh, those, are, those are some of my favorite commercials because, you know, the, the graphics and, you know, the seriousness which people took to, like, buying yeah. a piece of vinyl. It was, it was, it's, there's nothing like it in the society now. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's a, you think it's going to kind of suffer the culture of all that kind of stuff with with it being very digital, well, like yeah, the it's, NFTs it's, it's, and it's almost like um, I always say that you know I remember I'm old enough where my mom on every Friday afternoon we would go to the bank so she would take out a certain amount of cash because she said it had to last for the weekend. Right. And now nobody does that because we have the ATM, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, but she knew her banker, she knew her teller, so that was kind of cool. I feel like things change and some things get better and some things get worse. In a way, it was kind of cool that the uh, that there were, you know, and there were a bazillion record labels, obviously. But yeah. because you had people who could act as gatekeepers, there was like sort of a, you know, an artist could build up and actually be good and, and sort of like have that longevity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, now I love the fact that music's been democratized to the point that like you don't have those same gatekeepers saying, well, no, we're not going to let that music come out, but we're going to let this music come out. Right. And, 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 you know, pre sound scan. Oh, I, I'm sure the Beatles are selling well, you know, like they had no <laughs> idea what was happening in, in, in black or, 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 or Latin music. But at right. the end of the day, because there are no gatekeepers now, like you just, I don't even know. I struggle to find new music. I, I, there are a couple of Spotify playlists that have cool stuff, but I sort of miss the consensus building that you'd even get from just walking into a record store and deciding, yeah. oh, this group on Sympathy for the Record Industry, um, this band on, on that label, they're called the White Stripes. You should listen to them. Oh, right. I really like this. And then you look up two years later and they're at the MTV Movie uh, Music Awards. You know, like yeah. that's gone, in my opinion. I feel like Same. we live in a world now where, you know, uh, this isn't to knock to sound like an old man knocking the new artist, but like it's all just the most obvious pop because yeah. there's always going to be a place for pop, obviously. Sure. But uh, you know, the other day I was like, literally, like I want to hear some electronic music that isn't four on the floor dance music. Like, yeah. I love Daft Punk, but like back in the day, I used to have the Daft Punk for one side of me, the Chemical Brothers for another side. There was ah. you know drum and bass. There was everything from like wannabe pop like the propeller heads there was like weird desert music like crystal method like there were like mm -hmm. all these different groups yeah. 
that all fell into electronic music, and I don't know where to get the stuff that's not four on the floor. That I can still go to the BBC Radio One website and listen sure. to whatever you know essential dance mix of the week, or you know, for a long time it was Annie Mac. I forget the name of the person who's took it. Pete Tong is still there. Right. But that's all just four on the floor dance. I kind of I don't know where to get new electronic music. I kind of know some places to get new hip hop, mm-hmm. but you know it's tough. I, I just don't know. That, that, that sense of community, I don't know where we get it from now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't know. I mean, like, there's bands and stuff that my friends and I share. Like, we have, like, a tight-knit group, basically almost a Dropbox, where we're like, have you heard these people? Which I kind of mm-hmm. like. That's but cool. I also noticed over the years, too, like, even within a, that little group, it's harder to find. Like, no one's really – It's you really have to fucking search for new music. or actually, Yeah. And, and the radio doesn't – the radio doesn't help. I mean – for a long time, no. KCRW in, in LA, uh, which a lot of people could listen to online, like that was sort of my, but I feel like even they are sort of like playing catch up. I just think that, you know, because every single song ever basically is on Spotify, uh, it's just really, it's just really tough. And I, and I, I miss it. And, you know, there are no Same. music festivals now. So I don't, I just, I, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's pretty tough. Pandora is interesting because. I as much as I know it, they, like they will play. If you get on the wrong station, they're just gonna play the same shit. Every now and again, I'll find something where I'm like, I've never heard this band before. Like if I leave it on in the background while I'm working, yeah, I'll shazam. So I'll, I'll notice myself shazamming something like, oh, I don't know who these fucking people are, and you know, try to go down that. That's how I found Wolf Alice. I don't know if you know that band, but um, they're great. Yeah, but that's cool. uh, I'll say they're they're so fucking good right now, and they're not really on. They're like uh. You know, they just got written up in like a few magazines and stuff and spin and they're really kind of their new album um, coming right off of the pandemic because that was a lot of cool things happened then, too, because I feel like people didn't have uh, any studio pressure. So they're just yeah. like, yeah, do whatever you can do in your homes. And they were like, fucking finally. And they were one of the ones that came out with this beautiful album, like uh, and they're touring with it right now. Wait, and, what kind of music is it? What do they sound like? Um, It's kind of like a mix where they're uh, a, a little bit like electric, but like also pop in there too. And also kind of indie stuff. It's like, that's how kind of they describe themselves like a mix of the three, but. Um, that, that, that checks a lot of my algorithm. So I'll definitely yeah. check It's called Wolf yeah, you Alice. Gotta check them out, man. It's really, they're really great. Wolf Alice. Wolf Alice. Yeah. And they're, they also seem like, like they're real artists. You know what I mean? Like they, they, uh, you know, almost like feels like uh, back in the eighties when you're watching them kind of dress up on, so you know what I mean? Like it's all different costumes and shit. And um, she's the, the lead singer. Her name is um, uh, Ellie uh, Rossell and uh, she's British. And uh, she's like, yeah, some days I feel like, um, you know, uh, um, Jimi Hendrix. And some days I feel like, you know, something like Madonna. Like She's like, I just throw it all together and whatever, whatever the fuck happens, happens. So it's pretty well, great. That's great. I, I'll definitely check that out. I mean, uh, girl singers and, and, and bands that's always good that's dude me too i used to get shit on so bad for that <laughs> especially by other comedians they'd be like uh this is the fifth girl song that you've had <laughs> and i'm like girl song who the fuck are you i'm like what the fuck i'm like I I, I, yeah i was a big best coast fan for a long time i love and, best coast and I, I and i still feel like uh the, i still want to meet karen o you know i've never gotten yeah Never gotten over that. Oh my god, dude! I had uh, it was so funny. Do you know the band uh, from like early two thousands called Uh huh Her? Uh huh Her? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, Camilla Gray and um, Leisha. That's weird. That was that was that was peak band me. 
Yeah. It sounds like you, a Thai dish, but I was, bet you you'd know that was you and I was really into every band. Go ahead. <laughs> I bet you'd know them if you heard them. So I had her on the show, and it was because one of my friends who I go out on the road with, Joanne Filan, got me into her. And um, and you know, Camilla's gay, Joanne's gay, whatever. So Camilla was still one of the singers of the song, and now she tours with Adam Lambert. So we were just talking on the show and she's joking around, and she goes, I was wondering how you found me because you're not my demographic. <laughs> I was like <laughs> I was like, I know, it's really fucking weird. But I was like listing her songs to her. And she was like, I was just confused. But that's great. So it was, it was really interesting. I was like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I got a, I got a soft spot for all that. Um, but that's, fuck, what happened? Did I lose something? something no. <laughs> no, no. I, I was just thinking about Aha Her, how, how that slipped under my radar. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, it's so weird because I thought you froze. And last night we had so many instances where somebody <laughs> froze and I was still talking. And I was like, ah. I, I legitimately came into the office uh, in Santa Monica because our office is in the, in the, on the Warner Brothers lot. Terrible Wi Fi. I didn't want mm. you to have to deal with that. I, I gave it in. Thank you. I do appreciate that. I appreciate that. Or he's doing the best Rob Bartlett right now. <laughs> Did he really just pretend to freeze? I don't no, even know. I think he's legit, bro. That's... He's back. And then they just cracked out as if I'm cute. <laughs> That was insane. Perfect. I was like, I came here for the perfect reception, and then you guys turned into swirling squirrels. Wow, that was insane. fucking nuts. I was like, he's punking us real hard right now. This is great. I was like, he is good. Oh, oh don't, my god! Whew, knock on wood. Apparently, um, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta ask because we're we're almost up. Hours almost up. But uh, you were writing for Jimmy Fallon for a long time. Yeah, basically. man. About, Were you there? About during... music nerds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's a serious music guy for sure. He is. He is. Uh, I opened for him years ago when I, mm -hmm. it was like one of the first time as a comic that I got to open for a national headliner because he was uh, just going to do take over for Conan. And, oh, yeah, totally. And he, yeah, and he went back to his home club because he's like, I'm going to do a tour to kind of promote the whole thing and for, like, go back to stand up. Where? And uh, what did you say? It was in Socrates. Where was it? It was, was in uh, his first his first gig was in a Bananas Comedy Club in Poughkeepsie, New York. Oh yeah, okay. I think I remember this vaguely. That's yeah. Where I met him. Oh and nice. I say that I was the fourth person ever hired for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, which is what wow. they called the show. But it, it, you know, I was there for the first you know basically four years, and uh, and I remember those early gigs. That was back when he had the um, routine where he would uh, play a song about one thirty five BPM. And he would say, you can sing any 80s song. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was just going to I was like, because you you did, um, he did that kind of stuff, which was just amazing too. But you guys did so many good musical segments. Were you involved in that? Your, your expert? Yeah, that was, kinda... a, that, was, that was our thing. So my writing partner, Bashir, and I, we, you know, we had a good working relationship with The Roots. And if it was music related, typically we could, we could jump in there. So if it was Slow Jam the News, um, you know, we wrote those. We uh, put together history of rap because, you know, he wanted to do something with Justin where it was like sort of walking through a history of like rap music. Yeah, that was like so good. Man. Say, that was our first viral, really viral piece. What was funny was that was back when NBC was trying to steer all the web traffic to their site, NBC.com. Yeah. So it kept getting posted to YouTube and you get a million views and they take it down. <laughs> a million more views and they take it down. So we'll never know how many people watched history of rap with Justin wow. Timberlake. Because for the first year of that sketch, it was always a bootleg on YouTube. Okay. Um, wow. So we sort of, I suppose, yeah, we all, we were always writing stuff with the roots. I mean, like, because because Questlove is, you know, obviously the very definition of a music nerd. And so you could go in there mm -hmm. and be like, why don't we make a 
why don't we make a fake gap band song tonight? And, and then that'll be, you know, then we'll put Jimmy in a fro and he'll get out there and we'll, he'll sing like Charlie Wilson. You know, like it was always just, it was always fun to work with those guys because we were all just a bunch of people just trying to make music like our idols, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, Drake's coming by. Let's, let's make a fake Drake song, you know, like it was, right. it, was it was always fun. And you did the uh, Barack Obama segments as well. We sure did, man. Um, I've met him twice um but the time that sticks out is when he was uh it was 2012 it was a tight race we were in north carolina the university of north carolina to shoot an episode and you know hit you know the president his whole entourage and secret service are literally standing all around you're trying to make jokes mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really weird in a very small box of a room right and, uh, and we described the humor to him and there was like this five second pause which felt like five minutes where he was just like this and he was like i think it's funny and then you're like yes <laughs> and you're looking around the room and his press secretary is there laughing and everybody's like yes he's gonna say these jokes and it was weird to write some jokes that didn't come out of the president's mouth it's not something you set out to do right uh, no matter what you think you're gonna do in life as a kid yeah uh, when it happened it was it was pretty special i'm not gonna lie that's and, awesome uh, yeah and that was, was there that, anything you instructed to like was there stuff like you tr you you wanted to try to get by him but you're like we cannot have him <laughs> uh you know what's funny is we had a line at the very end of where jimmy says and that is how you slow jam the news and we were gonna have obama say oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so jimmy was, so we practice it jimmy's like that's how you slow jam the news and obama said oh yeah <laughs> and jimmy was like uh hey uh you know, do you think you could say it more like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Barack looked at him like, I'm not going to do that, Jimmy. <laughs> I still got to be the president tomorrow morning. You're not going to you're not going to have me say that and have that become what everybody's talking about the next day. So yeah. I was very uh, aware of how, you know, certain things in the wrong hands could play differently. Sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah so when we got out there, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, God. And that was it. But. Uh, it was a very funny piece, and it's one of those things that I'm super happy that we got to be a part of. Because you know, awesome, uh, that's one of those big life moments. Yeah. I feel like I, big I, life moment, right? And by the way, did not have to coach Obama on the. There were comedians who came on Fallon who we wrote for. We had to coach them how to say a line funny. Wow. The man has natural timing. I mean, no matter what yeah. your politics are, let me tell you, if you need a president to sell your joke. That dude can sell a joke because he's just got his his timing was flawless. Like we never had to never had to coach him. I won't say which comedians we were like, God damn it. That's immediately what I'm thinking of too, by the way. Just because <laughs> I know there's some, but you just know, because not, the uh, shitty comedian inside me is like, who fucked up? Who there were definitely <laughs> people who were like <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, I'm trying to work at this town. Not, not the, you know, we'll do that in the green room, John. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about it after the show. Burning yeah, you bridges. Know what? Yeah, if I see this little red light go off, <laughs> well, oh my god. Well, is there anything you can tell us about the second season coming up for Southside? Or if not, you, you wanna... see, if you okay, first off, if you haven't seen season one of Southside, I encourage you to watch it. It's on HBO Max, and I, I mean it. The show has never lost a fan. We put our all into the humor of this show, and we cast nothing but legitimate people from the Southside Chicago for the most part. There might be one or two famous faces, one or two actors on the show but like literally for a lot of these people this is the first show they've ever been on 
And it kind of stems from that point of view. We were talking about it earlier, I think, right before we started recording. Everybody, no matter where you're from, everybody knows that really funny person in their neighborhood mm-hmm. or that really funny person in your family. We tried to cast nothing but those people. Oh, like, you know, if we found out that, oh, gosh, there's a mechanic over on 63rd and hey, Halstead, who's really funny. We tried to find that guy and say, hey, can we get you to just deliver a couple of lines on this show? And I think that's why our show doesn't look like other shows, because we never went through the casting process as far as like, oh, so this guy did a, a bunch of episodes. I'm only going to name shows I like. Oh, he did a whole bunch of episodes of what we do in the shadows and Kirby and Disney. Oh. Love those shows. Yeah. That's not how we cast the show. We literally cast it out of the community that we shot it in. Wow. Just trying to find it. the funniest. My play cousin, he makes everybody laugh. So we went and found that play cousin. That's all. Awesome. And you know, it turns out you guys are real cousins, Don. But you know, that's how we that's how we I think we achieved a level of authenticity on this show that you just don't get on many TV shows on streaming, cable, or or broadcast. These are a lot of these people are raw and cut talent. And Beautiful. I think that's one of the reasons why it's really funny. So if you haven't seen season one, watch it. If you have, um, what I'll say is that. We expanded the universe. We treat the South Side of Chicago like it's Springfield on The Simpsons. So, you know, seasons one through three, you got a lot of Homer and Bart. But by season four, you know, Superintendent Chalmers is in there and Angus the Groundskeeper is in there. Yeah. And, you know, like we started branching out and bringing in other characters from this world that we had created. And nice. last thing I'll say about casting that was interesting, at first we considered it a real downer that because of the pandemic, we couldn't hold auditions in person. We were trying to do auditions in Zoom. It wasn't that great. Right. What we ended up doing is we went back to season one and all the little bit characters, like all the people who had like one line here, four lines here. We were like, that person was really funny. Let's see if we can give them more lines. And so we went back to a lot of those people. So if you really enjoy season one, keep an eagle eye you know, sharp, because what you might do, you might see some of those same people who played minor roles come back in more major ways in season two. It's just That's a happy awesome. accident that sort of happened from the pandemic that we were able to give some of these, you know, up and coming actors way more material to work with in season two. That's nice. so cool, man. That's fantastic. Uh, we oh, we got to wrap up, but I got to ask you two more questions that we ask every guest. Are you cool? I'll answer them quick. Sweet. Okay, cool. Um, so... First question is, if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give that would help you out today? Oh, my gosh. Start YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Find a way that people can post videos of themselves and do everything else. You can act in your spare time. Right. Um, <laughs> can I, uh, one more series? Sure. Oh, no, no. We got. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I told you I went to Harvard. And when yeah. I was at Harvard... <clears throat> We, there was, they introduced this new product to all the students. It was called Crimson Cash. And I was just conspiratorial enough to be like, Crimson Cash? What kind of evil shit is this? So you guys, <laughs> you guys are putting money on my card, and that's how I'm going to pay for everything from lunch to, like, books at the coop? Like, no way. This is evil. This corporation is going to take over the world one day. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm flipping through the freshman Facebook like, oh, this is funny. <laughs> this is cute. Like, if you had told me... Crimson Cash was going to be gone by like 2000, but that the Facebook right was going to take over the planet, I would have been very shocked. But yeah, yeah but wow. I would have said, "Hey, cozy up to that Mark motherfucker," because yeah, <laughs> and maybe maybe some of the residual money will wash down to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I guess if I have to answer somewhat seriously, the two things I would say is get to know your grandparents; <laughs> they're not going to be around long, and you're going to have a lot of questions. 
for your parents too. Unfortunately, both of them are gone too. That's what I'd really say. But I'd also say like, hey, don't don't think that you have to go into corporate America slash Wall Street to make money. Uh, continue to make your friends laugh. Continue to write down stories that you like because I guarantee you're going to be constantly thinking, what did I like as a kid when you get stuck on scripts today? I mean, I always go back to try and think, what what did, what does young me who doesn't work in this business, what would I love to see happen at this stage in the story? Nice. Um, that's that's really the other advice I'd give. I think that's great advice. I yeah. love the get to know your grandparents and your parents. I feel like you're the first person to say it. It was very sweet. Yeah. I always think like in the future, everybody will know what their grandparents look like drunk and falling down in nightclubs. <laughs> but right now I'm like, I don't have one video of my grandfather and I don't think, I don't think I have any more than like two or three of my dad, you know, yeah. who passed in 2002 before smartphones were everywhere. So Anybody who went out before 2002, chances are you have a couple of pictures of them, but you can't see them walking around talking. And that's that's really frustrating. I'm always yeah. going to turn up where we're like, I have my 13 year old birthday party um, and my dad walks around in that video talking and, and, you know, doesn't even sound like the man that I hear in my voice. But, you know, I was 13. Yeah. So there you go. It's weird. Even my dad, like, there's no kid pictures of him. And I can't wrap my head around the idea that there's no fucking photos of him as a child. I mean, he has, yeah. like, eight brothers and sisters, but, like, none of them. There's no there's no kid pictures. When they had eight, guarantee you they, like, took pictures of four. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was the back then. They yeah, kind of look alike. My, my, my sister, I'm one of six, and my sister always complains. They're like, where are the baby pictures of Pam? Where's me? You know, like, She's like, she's convinced mom and dad just weren't that hype on kid number four. Yeah. <laughs> they just didn't take any baby pictures of her. That's right. Like, that's okay. Oh, my God. Uh, and the second question is, what had to end in your life, be it good or bad, to lead you where you are today? Oof. That's a, that, that'd be another heavy one. Yeah. I mean, I will say I started, uh, I started acting in earnest about the time that my, uh, about the time my father died. They say that there's something about losing a parent that for whatever reason, makes a lot of people pick up acting. I don't know what that is, but, uh, you know, love dad. Wish you could have seen what, uh, you know, I got to do. But uh, I also think, and this is hopefully not me being sentimental, I think that some of my good fortune in this business has be, has been because I've got, you know, some extra advocates upstairs, so to speak. So, yeah. you know, maybe they weren't physically here to see it, but they might be still the reason it happened. Absolutely, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Dude, this has been a blast. I can't believe an hour went by again, like so quickly. It's crazy. No, Two seriously. Fans. That was tons of fun, guys. And uh, sincerely, thanks for having me. Yep, absolutely, dude. Uh, thank you so much. And definitely hang out. We're going we're gonna to do the wrap and hang out. We definitely want to learn more about who these comedians were and so on and so forth. <laughs> in the green room. What a tease to the people actually listening. I know, exactly. <laughs> you guys don't get to see. Right? Don't worry. One day we'll be like, get the Patreon and then we'll talk. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much again. Such a Dystopia tonight.